Sermon 3 of the Sermons upon the Epistle of St. Paul to the Ephesians by John Calvin, translated by Arthur Golding. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. God hath chosen us in Christ before the foundation of the world, to the end we should be holy and unblameable before him in love, who hath predestinated us to adopt us to himself by Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherethrough he hath accepted us in his well-beloved. I began to show you this morning that it is not lawful for us to take liberty to looseness under colour that God hath chosen us before the making of the world, as though it were meet for us to give over ourselves to all naughtiness, because we cannot perish, seeing that God hath taken us for his children. For we must not put the things asunder which he hath coupled together. Seeing then that he hath chosen us to be holy and to walk in pureness of life, our election must be as a root that yieldeth good fruits. For so long as God lets us alone in our own kind, we can do nothing but all manner of naughtiness, because there is so great corruption and frowardness in man's nature, that all that ever they think or do is contrary to God's righteousness. Therefore there is none other shift but to be changed by God. And whence cometh this change, but only of the grace that we spake of, namely, for that he did elect and choose us for his children, before we were born into the world, Herewithal we have to mark further that God letteth his chosen ones go for a time, so as they seem to be strayed away and utterly lost, and yet bringeth them home again to his flock when it pleaseth him. And that serveth to humble them the more, and to make his goodness and mercy so much the better known to the whole world. If God should make all his chosen ones to walk in perfectness of conversation even from their very childhood, it should not be so well discerned that the same cometh of the grace of his Holy Spirit, but when wretched folk that lived loosely and were given to all naughtiness for a time are quite changed, that cannot come to pass without God's working and putting to of his hand. Thus you see that the cause why God delayeth the calling of those whom he had chosen is, say I, to touch them to the quick by his Holy Spirit, that he may make them to walk in his obedience. For when we see them reformed upon the sudden and beyond the common expectation and opinion of men, therein we perceive that God hath uttered his power in them, as I said afore. And again, on the other part, every of us is convicted by experience that we be beholden to God for all the good that is in us. For when we be naturally inclined to any vice and afterward the same is corrected, we perceive well that God hath looked mercifully upon us. Ye perceive then that we have so much the more cause to humble us, seeing we were in the way of perdition till he had drawn us out of it. And it standeth us in hand to mark that well, for there are some fantastical heads which imagine that God doth so guide his chosen ones by his Holy Spirit, that they be sanctified aforehand, even from the time that they be born into the world, as soon as they come out of their mother's womb, but the contrary appeareth. And in good sooth we see how St. Paul, in another text, speaking to the faithful, saith, Some of you were plunged in covetousness, some were given to cruelty, some were scorners, some were whoremongers, and loose livers, and other some were gluttons and drunkards, and to be short, ye were full of all uncleanness, but God, having changed you, and made you clean from such filthiness and infection, hath dedicated you to himself. Again he saith to the Romans, You ought to be ashamed of the life which you led before he drew you to himself. 
So then, whereas it is said in this text that God chose his servants to make them walk in holiness of life, it is not meant that he is bound to govern them with his Holy Spirit, even from their childhood forth. For, as I have said already, experience showeth that he letteth them run astray, till convenient time be come for to call them. But yet must we always bear in mind that God's choosing of us was to the end to call us to holiness of life. For if he should let us alone still as wretched castaways, surely we could do nothing but all manner of naughtiness, according to the corruption that is in us. The good then proceedeth of his free bestowed mercy that he hath used already towards us before we were born, yea, and before the world was made. Thus ye see in effect what we have to mark upon this strain. And so the blasphemies of such as would deface God's praise are repelled which make a jar and, as it were, a divorce between God's free election and endeavour of doing well. Yea, say they, hath God chosen us, then let every of us do what we list, for we cannot perish, and what should we pass of doing either good or evil, seeing that our salvation is grounded upon God's mere grace and not upon any virtue? The answer hereunto is easy, namely that if God's election were not, look how many thoughts and appetites there are in us, so many rebellions should there be against all righteousness, for we tend all of us but to evil, and we be not only inclined to it, but we be, as it were, seething hot with it, and we run to it with frantic heaviness, because the devil possesseth all such as are not reformed by God's Holy Spirit. And so we must needs conclude that our giving of ourselves to do good is for that God guideth and leadeth us thereunto by his Holy Spirit, and all because of his election." Therefore, as I said erewhile, we must not separate the things that God hath joined together. For we be not chosen to take leave to do what we list, but to show by our deeds that God hath adopted us to be his children, and taken us into his keeping, to the intent to dwell in us by his Holy Spirit, and to knit us to himself in all perfection of righteousness. Herewithal let us mark also that although God hath reformed us, and set us in the good way, and made us to feel that he hath wrought in us already, to subdue us to his word, and make us serve him obediently in all things, yet doth it not therefore follow that we be fully reformed at the first day, no, nor yet in all our whole lifetime. St. Paul says not that God bringeth his chosen and faithful ones to the full point of perfection, but he says that he draweth them towards it. And so are we but in the way thitherward, even until our death. Therefore, as long as we live in this world, let us learn to profit, to go forward more and more, alluring ourselves that there is still always somewhat amiss in us. For they that imagine any perfection are as good as bewitched with hypocrisy and pride, or rather have no feeling nor fear of God in them, but mock him flatly to his face. For he that examineth himself shall always find such store of vices as he shall be ashamed of them, if he consider them well. They then, which say that we can come to any perfection while we dwell in this mortal body, do well show that either they be utterly blinded with devilish pride, or else that they be heathenish folk, void of all religion and godliness. As for our part, let us mark, as I touched afore, that God hath chosen us to the end, we should be blameless, Howbeit that we be not able to be so, till we be quite rid of all our infirmities, and departed out of this prison of sin, wherein we be held fast as now, and therefore, when we feel any vices in us, let us fight manfully against them, and not be out of heart, as though we were not God's children, because we be not yet faultless before him, but that our sins are always before our eyes, which make us guilty.' 
although then that we find never so many miseries in ourselves to thrust us out of the way yet let us go on still assuring ourselves that as long as we live here beneath upon the earth our way is never at an end but we must always go still forward and we can never come to our resting-place lo how the faithful ought to hearten and strengthen themselves although they be not perfect and let the same also cause us to groan and sigh under the burden which we be driven to feel for the perfection of the faithful and of god's children is to acknowledge their own weakness and to pray not only to amend all their misdoings but also to bear with them of his infinite goodness and not to call them to account with extremity and rigour ye see then that the thing whereunto we must resort for succour is god's mercy whereby he covereth and buryeth all our sins because we have not yet attained to the mark whereunto he calleth us that is to wit to a holy and faultless life but howsoever the world go with us let us go forward still and take good heed that we step not out of the right way if the word love be referred to men then st paul meant to betoken the true righteousness of christians that is to wit to deal faithfully and uprightly for we know that the hypocrites would content god with ceremonies and gewgaws as men term them and in the meanwhile some of them shall be given to catching and snatching some shall be full of envy malice cruelty and treason some shall be drunkards and other some shall be whoremongers and loose livers giving themselves the bridle to all naughtiness and yet for all this they think all is safe if they may make a few mops and mows and pretend some countenance of holiness by using a few ceremonies st paul to cut off all such stuff saith that we must walk in love which is the bond of perfection and the fulfilling of the law if we intend to have our life allowed of god and so ye see what we have to mark upon that strain furthermore let us mark that in this place st paul exhorteth us to acknowledge ourselves beholden to god for all the virtue and goodness that is in us as for example if we have any good zeal if we fight against our own vices or if we walk in the obedience of god whence cometh it even of this wellspring that he purposed it that is to wit that he chose us aforehand then let us consider that the praise thereof is due unto him and let us not defraud him of his right for although we lived as perfectly as angels yet if we were so fond as to think that the same cometh of our own free will and self-moving we miss the chief point of all for where to serve all our good works but to glorify god withal and if we take them to spring of ourselves we see they be marred by so doing and are turned into vices so as they be naught else than stark vainglory ye see then that the thing whereat st paul aimed in this sentence is to bring us always back to god's free election that we might know how all goodness depends thereupon he addeth immediately that we be predestinated in adoption in himself through jesus christ according to the good pleasure of his own will whereas he saith that god hath predestinated us in adoption it is to show that if we be god's children it is not through nature but through his only grace now his only grace is not in respect of anything that god foresaw in us as i touched this morning but because he had erst marked us out and appointed us to such adoption yea even in such wise as the cause thereof is not to be sought elsewhere than in himself and that is the cause why st paul addeth immediately that he did it in himself and according to the good pleasure of his own will 
Also he repeateth the same thing that I declared this forenoon, namely that all was done in Jesus Christ. You see therefore that the thing which we have to mark in this sentence is that none other cause maketh us God's children than only his choosing of us in himself. For we have no such prerogative by birth or inheritance, neither cometh it of flesh and blood, as it is said in the first chapter of St. John, insomuch that all that ever can be sought in our own selves is utterly excluded and abolished. And that is to show us that if men be let alone in their former plight, they have no intercommoning at all with God, but are utterly cut off from his kingdom. True it is that our first father Adam was created after the image of God, and that he was excellent in his first state, but after the coming in of sin, we were all utterly forlorn. Insomuch that even Adam had not any stay of himself, and his free will that was given him served him to none other purpose but to make him the more unexcusable, for he fell willfully and through his own malice. But hereby we see what manner of constancy he had in him, since he was no sooner made, but he by and by fell, and drew us down into his fall with him. Then, as now, we be all of us born the children of wrath, and are cursed of God. And so, as long as we abide in our former state and plight, there is nothing but endless death in us. Therefore God must be fain to call us home to him. For are we able to purchase such prerogative? Where is the gold or silver to buy it withal? Where are the virtues wherewith to recompense God for so great and excellent a privilege? To be short, as is said already upon this sentence, it cometh neither of flesh nor of blood, that is to say, it cometh not of anything that we can find in this world, but alonely of God's adoption. For the word which St. Paul useth betokeneth an appointing of children, like as when a man adopteth a child, he chooseth him to be his heir, and all the goods that he hath afterward do pass under that title. Even so are we heirs of the heavenly life, because God hath adopted and chosen us for his children. Yea, but St. Paul is not contented to magnify God's grace so far forth, but he saith moreover that God had also predestinated us, and appointed the thing aforehand. We see then that St. Paul gathereth together all the things that may beat down the fond imaginations which we might conceive of bringing aught unto God, or of advancing ourselves towards him, to make ourselves acceptable unto him. Therefore all such things must be laid a water, so as also is the cause why he repeateth through Jesus Christ. Then, if it be demanded why and how we be predestinated of God to be his children, it is because he vouchsafed to look upon us in Christ. For, as I have said afore, he is, as it were, the register wherein we be written to attain to the heritage of life and salvation. For although God pity our miseries, yet should we always be hateful in his sight if Jesus Christ came not before him, because that all of us which are descended of Adam are all of one mould and making, and there is none better than other among us. Now then, the one sort is forsaken, and why is that? But because God, looking upon them in themselves, doth mislike them. But he chooseth us in our Lord Jesus Christ, and looketh upon us there as in a glass that he liketh well of. And so you see whereof the difference proceedeth. Howbeit, to express the thing yet better, he saith that God's choosing of us was in himself. True it is, that God doth all good of himself, but here St. Paul meant to set out the thing which is not seen in all the ordinary works of God, 
that is to wit, that none other cause moved him to choose us than his own will. St. Paul, therefore, taketh away all respect when he saith that God chose us in himself. If he had found any desert or worthiness, if he had found any disposition or forwardness, if he had found any goodness or virtue, or, to be short, if he had found any one drop of aught that he might like and allow of, he had not chosen us in himself, but we ourselves should have had some partnership with him. Seeing then that St. Paul looketh upon all things in God's purpose which belong to our salvation, and saith that our election also is shut up there, it is all one as if he should say that men do slowly overshoot themselves when they take upon them to be anything worth, or to have been furtherers or preparers of themselves to the receiving of such grace. Therefore we must be carried up aloft if we will know whereupon our salvation is grounded, and what is the very original wellspring and the chief and only cause of the same. And so ye see what is meant by this saying that God did it in himself. But St. Paul addeth yet further according to the good pleasure of his own will, if he had set down no more but only the word will, it had been enough. Accordingly, as we have seen heretofore, and was declared upon Sunday last, that St. Paul was chosen according to the will of God. And why so? Because he was neither fit nor worthy to have such a prerogative, but that it pleased God to choose him. St. Paul, therefore, braggeth not that he had gotten the apostleship, but with all mildness acknowledgeth it to be the free gift of God. Thus ye see what the word will betokeneth, and that not in any one place only, but throughout the whole Holy Scripture. Therefore, whensoever God's will is mentioned, it is to show that men cannot bring aught of their own. Nevertheless, St. Paul setteth down here a word of overplus, and saith, according to the good pleasure, as if he had said, truly, seeing that God's will is the cause of our salvation, we should not flit to and fro, and seek other reasons and means thereof. Howbeit, forasmuch as men are so unthankful and malicious, that they would always darken God's glory, and so puffed up with fond overweening that they continually challenge more to themselves than belongeth unto him. Therefore, if they be not sufficiently persuaded of God's will, let them understand that it cometh of the good pleasure of his will, that is to say, of a free inclined will, which dependeth not upon any other thing than itself, nor hath any respect one way or other, but vouchsafeth to choose us freely, because it liketh, and liketh so to do. Now then, we see that such as search out the cause why God hath chosen us, would, if it lay in them, overthrow his everlasting ordinance, for the one is inseparable from the other. If God have chosen us, as it is showed us here, then can nothing hang upon our deserts, nor upon aught that we might have to come, but... God wrought it according to his own free inclined will, and found not any other reason to move him thereto than his own good pleasure. If any men think this to be strange gear, it is because they would be hail-fellow with God, and herein appeareth their devilish malapertness, that they cannot suffer God to reign freely, as the thing that he liketh might be received as good, just, and rightful, without gainsaying. But let such folk bark like dogs as much as they list, yet is this sentence definitive unable to be repealed, which the Holy Spirit hath uttered here by the mouth of St. Paul, namely that it is not for us to search any further cause for our election than the good pleasure of God, that is to say, than his own free inclined will, whereby he hath chosen us, though we were not worthy in none other respect than for that he listed to say, so it pleaseth me. And so ye see in effect what we have to gather upon those words of St. Paul's. 
Now he saith immediately that it is to the praise of the glory of his grace. Here he showeth the final cause that God looked at in choosing of us, namely that his grace might be praised by it, and that not after a common and ordinary manner, but with a certain glory, for he hath coupled those two things together, to the intent we should be ravished when we see how God hath drawn us out of the bottom of hell to open us the gate of his kingdom and to call us to the heritage of salvation. Here we see yet again the thing that I treated of this morning, namely that all such as would put away God's predestination or are loath to hear it spoken of, do therein show themselves to be mortal enemies of God's praise. To their seeming it slideth and vanisheth away. Yea, but who is the competent judge thereof? Think they themselves wiser than God, who hath spoken the clean contrary to that which they alleged? Oh, say they, that were the next way to open the mouths of many men to blaspheme God. Surely, as for the wicked, it is certain that they will always find whereat to rail, and they cannot be lettered so to do. But yet for all that, God shall have enough wherewith to justify himself, and all they that do spite him, his righteousness, shall be confounded. Howsoever then the case stand, it is not without cause said here that God is then duly glorified and his praise magnified when we acknowledge that he hath freely chosen whom he listed, and that there is none other cause of difference between man and man than only his will, so that they whom he hath refused do perish because they be worthy of it, and they whom he calleth to salvation must not seek the cause thereof elsewhere than of the said free-bestowed adoption. Furthermore, by those two words St. Paul meant also to stir us up to a greater and ferventer earnestness of praising God, for it is not enough for us to confess coldly that our salvation springeth of God's mere good will, but we must be as it were inflamed and give ourselves wholly to his praise, as if we were wholly wedded to it, according as St. Peter showeth, that forasmuch as we were drawn out of the darkness of death, it is good reason that we should be speaking of the unutterable praises of God. And hereby he doth us to understand that when the faithful have strained themselves to the uttermost to discharge themselves in praising God's goodness, yet they shall never compass it, because it is a thing incomprehensible. Mark well, therefore, what we have to bear in mind. And so upon this goodness or grace whereof he speaketh, it behoveth us so to gather that men shall never yield God his due glory till they be utterly abased, so as there remaineth not anything at all in them for to glory of. Let us put the case that God's election were never thought of. Should he therefore cease to be praised? No, but he should have some piece of his praise still. For if men should say no more, but that God causeth his day sun to shine upon us, that were a cause to praise him. And when we open our eyes to look upward and downward upon the wonderful works that he showeth us, the same is a large provocation to exercise us in his praise all our life long. Moreover, when his gospel is preached unto us, there also we have whereof to praise him, though no mention at all be made of his election. I say, there is enough as in respect of us, but then should he be robbed of his chief praise, and we should yield him but a piece of that which is due to him. And why so? For the faithful should think that they have faith of their own self-moving and free-inclined will. I told you this morning that faith is a fruit of election, for there is none other odds between us and the unbelievers, but that God reached us his hand and drew us to him by a secret means, 
at such time as we turned our backs upon him and were strangers to him. To be short, it is not for naught that St. Paul saith here that God's praise shall never be glorified as it ought to be, till we acknowledge his election to be the cause of all the benefits which he bestoweth upon us, and that if he of his infinite mercy adopted us not of set purpose from everlasting, we should have a piece of the praise to ourselves which is due unto him. And so should God be diminished and abridged of so much of his right. To be short, we see well enough how it is said here, that men must be utterly abased to the end that God may have his right, and no man be made co-partner with him, but all men confess that he is both the beginner and the accomplisher of our salvation. Also we must mark well how St. Paul addeth that of his own grace he hath accepted us in his well-beloved. By this he uttereth yet much better why our salvation is grounded upon God's mere election and free-bestowed goodness. For men will never give over their foolish overweening, if they be not so vanquished as they have not one word more to reply. St. Paul, therefore, to bring us to such reason, telleth us that we be damned and lost in ourselves. Now when such a thunderbolt lighteth upon our heads, it is not for us to stand checking any more. Then if men will be so foolish as still to hunt about with windlasses, to have somewhat always belonging and reserved to themselves, besides the only grace of God, there needeth no more but this saying to turn them from it, namely, that we were not in God's favour till we were in Jesus Christ, because we be utterly damned and accursed in our own selves. This matter were sufficiently declared already, if we were not over-slow in conceiving the thing that is so needful, and which ought to be so clear unto us. And in good sooth, even experience ought to teach us in this behalf. And surely, if hypocrisy blinded us not too much, we should well perceive that there is nothing but wickedness in us, and God's wrath would strike us in such fear that we should be at our wit's end with it. But God must be fain to compel us to obedience by strong hand, or else we cannot find in our hearts to give over all praise unto him. Therefore, let us mark well what is meant by this speech, where it is said that we were taken to favour in Jesus Christ, because he is the well-beloved. And why is Jesus Christ called God's well-beloved? According as he is termed in the 17th of Matthew, and in other places, and also is showed to be so in the prophet Isaiah. Thereby it is showed us that God doth justly hate and abhor us, so long as we abide in our own natural plight. For, if that title were not peculiar to Jesus Christ, then was it said in vain, This is my well-beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. But if it be peculiar to Jesus Christ, then can none other creature claim it, insomuch that although God love his angels, yet can they not be thoroughly beloved of him but by the means of Jesus Christ. And as for us, there is a far other respect, for, as I have said already, we be behated, and Jesus Christ is the mediator or spokesman to set the angels at one with God, insomuch that there should be no steadfastness nor constancy in them if they were not upheld by him. And besides that their righteousness should not be perfect, but they be blessed and chosen in him, let that serve for one point. As for us, seeing we be estranged from God through sin, he must needs take us as his enemies and be an adversary to us. Jesus Christ, therefore, is the only well-beloved among men, and as for all the rest of us, God utterly misliketh and disclaimeth us, yea, even so far that he saith he repenteth him that he made man, which saying of his importeth that we be not worthy to be of the asses, dogs, and other beasts. For they continue still God's creatures in the same plight that he made them. But we be so lewd and froward 
that we deserve to be raised out and to have our remembrance cursed and hateful before God. Now let us go brag and boast and seek arms to ennoble ourselves, for we see how the Holy Ghost disgradeth all such as think themselves to be aught worth. Wherefore let us consider that, if we be enemies unto God, we be in worse a taking than if we had never been created. Hereupon St. Paul telleth us that God hath accepted us in his well-beloved. Seeing then that our Lord Jesus Christ is received of God his Father to be the Beloved, not only in his own person, but also in respect of the love that is extended to all the members of his body. By that means we be called home again, and God embraceth us for his children, whereas erst we were his enemies and utterly hated of him. But howsoever the world go, we must always come back to the election that we have spoken of before, for the grace that is communicated to us by our Lord Jesus Christ doth issue likewise out of the same spring. Thereupon, going forward with the matter that I have touched already, he showeth us how great need we have to be well-beloved in Jesus Christ, for if it were not proved to our faces we would never grant, I mean unfeignedly, that we be beholden to God for all things, for we be always labouring to advance ourselves some way or other, and every of us seeketh how he may reserve somewhat to himself, though it be but the maintenance of a pin's point. But contrarywise, St. Paul telleth us that God must be fain to love us out of ourselves, and that if he like well of us, it must not be in respect of our own selves. And why? For we be prisoners and bondslaves of sin, we be held down under the yoke and tyranny of Satan, and finally we be shut up in the bondage of death till we be ransomed by our Lord Jesus Christ. Now then we see that the sum of this lesson is that men are admonished to depart out of themselves and to seek their salvation in God's only goodness, even by holding the means that is showed us here, which is to resort to our Lord Jesus Christ. For there are two evil extremities whereof we must beware. The one is that in coming to our Lord Jesus Christ we must not imagine that there is any worthiness in us why he should make us partakers of his benefits. And how may that vice be corrected? Even by being led to God's free election. For the very cause why men presume so much upon their own free will, and the very ground also whereupon they build the opinion which they have conceived of their own deserts and worthiness, is that they know not how they be nothing in any other respect than for that God hath accepted them of his own mere free goodness, because he had chosen them already in his own everlasting purpose. Therefore we cannot by any means father the beginning of our salvation upon God, except we confess that which is showed us here, namely that we were utterly damned and accursed at such time as he adopted us, and that the very original cause of his adopting of us is for that he had predestinated us beforehand, yea, even before the making of the world. Mark that for one point. The other evil extremity, whereof we must likewise beware, is speculation. Many fantastical folk will say, As for me, I shall never know whether God hath chosen me or no, and therefore I must be fain to abide still in my destruction. Yea, but that is for want of coming to Jesus Christ. How know we that God hath chosen us before the making of the world? By believing in Jesus Christ. I said heretofore that faith springeth of election, and is the fruit of it, which showeth that our root is hidden within. He then that believeth is thereby assured that God hath wrought in him, and faith is, as it were, the copy or counterpane which God delivereth us of the original register of our adoption. God hath his everlasting purpose or determination, and that he keepeth always to himself as a chief president or original record, whereof he giveth us a copy by faith. I speak here after the manner of men, for we know that God useth neither paper nor parchment to engross us in, and 
as I have told you already, that to speak properly the register wherein we be enrolled is our Lord Jesus Christ. Nevertheless, God reserveth to himself the knowledge of our election, as a prince would do an original precedent, register, or record, but yet he giveth us copies or counterpanes of it, authentical enough, in that he imprinteth it in our hearts by his Holy Spirit, that we be his children. Ye see then that the faith which we have in our Lord Jesus Christ is enough to warrant us our election, and therefore what seek we more? I told you even now that Jesus Christ is the looking-glass wherein God beholdeth us, when it is his will to like well of us. Likewise also on our side he is the glass whereupon we must cast our eyes and looks when we mind to come to the knowledge of our election. For whosoever believeth in Jesus Christ is God's child, and consequently his heir, as I have declared before. Then doth it follow that if we have faith, we be also adopted. For wherefore doth God give us faith? even because he chose us before the creation of the world. This therefore is an infallible order that insomuch as the faithful receive God's grace and embrace his mercy, holding Jesus Christ for their head, do they intend to obtain salvation by his means, they know assuredly that God hath adopted them. True it is that the election is of itself secret, it is so deep and hidden a determination as it behoveth us to honour it, yet notwithstanding God showeth it to us so far forth as is requisite, and as he knoweth it to be for our benefit and welfare, and that doth he when he enlighteneth us with the belief of his gospel. Thus ye see why that, after St. Paul had spoken of God's everlasting election, he setteth forth Jesus Christ as the party to whom we must resort, to be assured that God loveth us and avoweth us for his children, and consequently that he had adopted us before we knew him, yea, and before the world was made. Moreover, we have to gather upon this sentence that the doctrine of predestination serveth not to carry us away into wandering speculations, but to beat down all pride in us, and the fond opinion which we conceive always of our own worthiness and deservings, and to show that God hath such free power, privilege, and sovereign dominion over us, that he may refuse whom he listeth, and choose whom he listeth, and that by that means we be led to glorify him, and therewith to acknowledge that his choosing of us is in Jesus Christ, to the end we should be held fast under the faith of his gospel. For if we be his members, and take him for our head, according to the covenant and holy union that is betwixt him and us, we can never be broken so long as we believe his gospel. We must repair to him to be made sure of our salvation, because we see and feel by experience that God had adopted and chosen us, and that he presently calleth us, and telleth us, that the assurance which he hath given us, and daily giveth us by his gospel, namely, that he will be our Father, and specially his engraving of it in our hearts by his Holy Spirit, is no deceitful thing. For the gospel may well be preached to all men, yea, even to the castaways, but yet for all that God is not so gracious to them as to touch them to the quick. Therefore, when we have God's adoption engraven in our hearts, then, as shall be declared further hereafter, we have a good and undeceivable gauge that God will guide us unto the end, and that since he hath begun to lead us into the way of salvation, he will bring us to the perfection whereunto he calleth us, verily because that without him we could not continue so much as one day. But now let us fall down before the majesty of our good God with acknowledgement of our faults, praying him to make us perceive them more and more, that being utterly ashamed of them, we may hate our vices and all our whole life with the naughtiness and frowardness thereof, and resort to him who alone is able to remedy the same, and not swerve one way or other from him, as he communicateth himself to us in our Lord Jesus Christ, but keep on right forth to him, acknowledging that as we be chosen in him, so also we be maintained and preserved for his sake, 
and that he will utter his power more and more in us until we have finished our race and be come to the heavenly heritage whereunto we be going, beseeching him that although we be yet far from it, yet he will vouchsafe to give us a steady and invincible strength to hold out continually till we have fully renounced the world and been quite consumed in ourselves, be so renewed in the image of God as the same may shine perfectly in us until we be made partakers of the glorious immortality which he hath bought dearly for us that it may please him to grant this grace not only to us, but also to all people and nations, etc. End of Sermon 3